welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name is Lucas. This is Neil. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men, be reconstructing the South. Yeah. All right, so moving on to number five. This is going to take forever if we're only on number five. I'm, I was getting ready to say because there's 20 and, you know, we I'm got... sorry, we spurred out on that. <sighs> sorry. We might have to do multiple episodes. The nature of Christ's lordship and kingdom, we affirm that in addition to possessing the title of Savior, Messiah, and many others, Jesus, the Son of God, who is truly God, is also the king of all earthly kings, the lord of all earthly lords, and the lawmaker for all heavenly earthly lawmakers. He is the possessor of all authority in heaven and on earth. We affirm that as God, Jesus Christ is preeminent over all creation, sovereignly rules over all things visible and invisible in heaven, earth, and hell, and ordains all things according to the counsel of his perfect will for the good of those who are in him in his mediatorial rule christ rules by his spirit and words to his earthly authority which he divinely has ordained to execute his will on the earth to orient humankind towards himself we affirm that christ alone through the blood of his cross grants repentance and forgiveness of sin to reconcile to his father we deny any theology that would seek to segregate sacred aspects of life where god's word is authoritative and supposedly Secular aspects of life where the Christian must operate by a standard other than God's word. We deny any theology which claims that bringing God's word into the civil sphere is unwise, unfruitful, sinful, or any other than fitting and required. We deny that Jesus' kingship and lordship are merely heavenly or that his words are only authoritative over confessing Christians. I, mean, I don't. I don't really have too much of a problem with anything that's in there. Um, some of it was a bit clunky and a bit repetitive, but at, at the same time, I mean, I, I can't really find anything at fault with it. Um, it it kind of goes to combat the whole notion of, oh, well, we just need to keep our our spiritual lives private. Um, our, you know, it's it's me and my own personal Jesus, as Johnny Cash would say. Um, yeah. nothing actually affects anything outside when how did 12 men conquer the world by if they just kept it in their prayer closet yeah 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 that's a good point that's a good point I, that's a good it's a good statement uh like you said though it's a little bit it could be a little bit uh what's the word I'm looking for? more there could be some brevity yeah. there yeah yeah yeah, so we might move faster than we thought. It's just a couple things we got hung up on. <laughs> but there'll be more. Oh. Oh. The, the autism ah. is strong with us. I apologize. 15 more That's to go. Apologies. I disavow hey, the autism. I'm, look, I just changed my Twitter. <laughs> I just changed my Twitter name to Neil uh, on the backside of the IQ bell curve. So that's me. Let's do it. <laughs> And I'm Kilgore Branson, the midwit. <laughs> Hell, you might be smarter than me, man. Hey, I, I I got called a I got called a midwit because I was holding to Orthodox Christian views. So, oh, was it James White? 
No, no, it was somebody oh, no. in, uh, in one of the full Lindsay's tweets. I'm sorry, he blocks people. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, but block you me, better but not mute him. That meme about him. You better not mute him, or, or you're unhinged and a zealot. Dude, James White wears a dress. Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> the the Scotsman in me is is triggered right now. Figuratively, no, a kilt's not a dress. I'm saying this dude wears poodle skirts. All right, but yeah, he does wear biker shorts. <laughs> yeah, and every time, <laughs> what was it? Somebody like responded. We're gonna have to, to do dunk. some substantial edits to this episode. <laughs> uh, no, nah, heck no. Nah. Leave this raw edition. And look, man, somebody <laughs> responded that. Your testosterone is lowered by like 874 whatever from riding bicycles. I'm like, well, that's evident. I mean, just just, just watch one episode of Alpha and Omega and compare it to an, uh, an episode of The View. I mean, it's like he could he could fit in with with Whoopi Goldberg and Bette Midler and, those, and the other, what, Streisand? No, who else is on? I don't even know. I don't Martha watch Stewart. The View. I don't know who else on that. I know. I know. I know Whoopi Goldberg is on there, and and the big nose lady, but like, uh, he fits that persona. Like, he could be the view himself. <laughs> um, so we're we're gonna go to number six: the identity of civil officials and the source of their authority. We affirm this, that civil officials are God's deacons of justice. Therefore, they must obey his command, his commands and rule under his authority. We affirm that all human authorities, including civil officials, possess authority only as it has been delegated to them by God and accordingly are accountable to him for how they wield their delegated authority in accordance with God's prescription for civil government as revealed in his word. We deny the authority of civil officials and documents to contradict what God has said in his word or to govern beyond the bounds of God's word has established for them. Uh, he forgot to just say uh, divine mandate, but I'm good with it. Because he's just describing the divine mandate at this point. It or divine not. right. I'm sorry. He, he's describing the divine right. I like it. All right. <laughs> the duty of civil authorities. We affirm that God has armed civil magistrates with the sword of justice to promote citizens' welfare without partiality by one writing and enforcing just laws as God, as God defines just, which are a terror to those who do evil as God defines evil. Two, defending and, appro and approving those who do good as God defines good. And three, avenging victims of crime with proportional punishment for evildoers. I like that a lot, actually. Hey, we yeah. affirm that civil authorities must ensure that, that the church shall enjoy the full, free, and unquestioned liberty of discharging every part of their sacred functions without violence or danger. Amen, brother. Uh, the civil authorities must discharge this duty without showing favoritism to or biased against any Christian denomination for their historic beliefs and teachings. 
This includes, but is not limited to, their teachings and beliefs concerning the immutability of biological sex, the union of marriage as existing solely between one man and one woman, and other historical Christian teachings on, second, se on sexual morality. We affirm that the government has the right to intervene to prevent or stop any ceremonial religious practices that violate the natural law and the welfare of mankind, including but not limited to child sacrifice, polygamy, child sexual exploitation, acts of religious masochism, and so forth. Get the pedos. We deny that civil <laughs> authorities are tasked with being the primary caretakers of citizens or educators of children as these duties belong primarily to families and the church. We deny that the civil government should endeavor to take on these responsibilities, and we deny that they do so for the benefit of society. Rather, such charities displaces families by creating a culture of dependence upon a nanny state, and its education often debauches children with godless philosophies and perverse instruction. Amen. Preach it, brother. I'm going to get Pentecostal here in a minute. We deny that in Scripture, God ever approves of tolerance towards depravity like child sacrifice and mutilation in Drag Queen Story Hour. We should follow our king, and he does no such thing. I'm not even mad. Okay. So All right. I, I guess one of the things that, um, that they might want to expound on is um, up in the uh, we affirm, we affirm the government has the right to intervene to prevent or stop any ceremonial religious practices that violates natural law welfare of mankind including but not limited to blah 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 okay so um it wasn't long ago in america where you know natural law was um but ba basically it was against natural law for sodomite marriages um yeah I, I know he laid out the definition of a union between man and one woman um but he did not include that in the list. I know he said not li not limited to, but um, I, I think an understanding of natural law should be in order, in, in my opinion. Most people don't know he, what the flip natural law is. Yeah, I mean, he references in here, uh, which is why it's, I mean, to me it's a little confusing because he'll, he'll reference natural law here, but he'll exclude it up above when it comes to defining things like what a people are or... Uh, well, I mean, okay. So let me let me clarify that. I, he doesn't de he doesn't deny the natural law. He doesn't explicitly call it out, or these guys do not explicitly call it out. Whereas they should explicitly call out natural law as being a a, a standard for what a people are. Um, and so that's that's the the bit of autism we were having earlier. So I don't want to retract that. Um, but here he does he does acknowledge natural law. So that's a that's a plus on on my end. Yeah. Anything from your side, Neil? Charisma. No, I'm good. Okay, sorry, I'm uh, a little bit distracted. I'm trying. I'm trying it, to hook us up here. It's all good. Tell. Let me know. Follow me when you get the. You know, I got count up. I got you, you, the the audience gets to like see like real or not really real time, but they get to see us like multitasking because. Off of here, we are husbands and fathers and blue collar uh, Neanderthals, troglodytes. So, and speak Luddite, for yourself, you know. Irishman. Hey, <laughs> I am only twenty-seven percent Irish. Thank you very much. I I, I posted on my uh, my personal Facebook a while back um, uh, about how French I am 
but it's all pre-Napoleonic French, so I'm good. <laughs> uh, all my family were were French royalists, so I'm not even mad about it. Pierce over here. King Louis did nothing wrong. King Louis did absolutely nothing wrong. Well, I say that. The only thing King Louis did wrong was not beheading all of the Jacobins and and uh, making their family serve as slaves to the state. That's the only thing he didn't do that he should have done. He was he was too kind to them. They deserve no such kindness. Anyways, um, talking about the purpose of civil government. <laughs> we affirm that God's purpose for civil government is to orient citizens towards the true and eternal through the establishment of justice for his glory and the good of his image bearers, whether or not they possess saving faith. We affirm that unjust laws, e.g. those which would permit child sacrifice, often debauch people, and that just laws often have an evan evangelistic impact. We deny that the purpose of civil government is to establish a secular, neutral, godless order, and we deny that any government is capable of neutrality because of individual and system because every individual and system has moral preferences and functional gods, i.e. ultimate allegiances and ultimate standards by which they judge reality. We further deny that natural law is a standard different or apart from God's moral and universal law summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I would say that natural law is a is another form of revelation. I wouldn't say yeah. that. Hey. I don't think. Let me take it. Let me take a drink. <laughs> this is a um. We that that's a that's a big discussion though. I mean, do we want to we want to dig into well, that right now? I think I think we should table that particular chapter for a, a whole episode discussion. Okay, I agree. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, because that's... I mean, no offense to these guys, but that's that's kind of like harebrained. Honestly, kind of haphazard. I love those guys, though. Just, so they know. I just don't... I don't think that was good. That was a good effort. I think okay. that kind of... I think that's kind of like unwarranted pushback to Stephen Wolf. Maybe I don't think I don't think they're doing justice to what he talks about in his book, admittedly, okay. which I have not read. I've read some of it, uh, but I'm very familiar with Stephen Wolf's work because I've been following and talking to Stephen for uh, a couple, well, probably yeah, a couple of years now. Uh, but I just don't think that's a uh, I don't think that is a sufficient um, thesis uh, to their theses that they have posted here so yeah we'll table that are you are you cool with that travis well i'm that, not that, gonna read his i'm not gonna read his book because he says he doesn't do any eggs and jesus in it <laughs> <laughs> oh dude you're such a baptist you're such a baptist i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I just, you know no, no what would what, 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 you know uh for those y'all don't know he he has a uh, a pair a paragraph in his book where he says he doesn't do any exegesis in the entire book because he assumes the exegesis done before him, and it says the, it like within three sentences, he's assuming the, the Reformed tradition exegesis. And people are intro. just beating him up over that. It's the introduction. <laughs> he says that in the introduction, these people freaking 
clutch their pearls. It's like well, oh, they highlight those four words. They highlight I don't do exegesis. And meanwhile, in the, in the photo that they put has because I'm assuming the exegesis of men they came before me. Well, and, and the other thing is the, the theonomists were reading about this and they finally gave up. You know, I, I, I said that, uh, you know, they, they went on this tirade about, uh, I'm trying to find that, that. They went on this tirade about, oh, well, he doesn't do just, he doesn't do his, he doesn't do his exegesis. Therefore, it's not a biblical book. You, you're not using the full weight of scripture. I said, um, you know, you're not, how did I say it? You, you are not more pious for using scripture as it was not intended to be used. <laughs> like, yeah. It, scripture doesn't say what form of government you ought to have. It doesn't say like explicitly the kind of laws you need to have. It doesn't tell you what kind of culture you need to have. It gives some general principles on how government ought to operate. But, you know, there's different kinds of government in Scripture. There's different kinds of, you know, a lot of different things in Scripture. And so you have to interpret that to your situation. Um, and so the, the theonomists kind of, they, they kind of get their panties in a wad because of this, but. Okay. So let me interject for a second. Our good friend C.J. Engel has made a comeback, uh, I believe. I love the dude. I don't know if you guys have ever talked to him personally. He's, he's, a, he's actually a really down-to-earth guy. And he has uh, started a podcast called Contra, uh, Contra Mundum with Andrew Isker, Boniface Option, who, whom I've met. I know Andrew. He's, he's a really awesome dude, too. Um, but C.J., and I think Stephen are in agreement with this. The Christian nationalism has to be dehomogenized, and what I mean by that is to say Christian nationalism is synonymous with theonomy is a misnomer. And no offense to uh, Webin and a whole host of guys, even Doug Wilson, who are friendly to or claim Christian nationalism. No offense to them, but. The view that Stephen Wolf has in view and C.J. Engel is not theonomy. It is not Rush Dooney. It's not Gary North. It is not uh, theonomic reconstructionism. It is essentially a what's the word I'm looking for? It's like con it's, it's continuity with historic Christendom. That's what Stephen Wolf is going for. I think in a Twitter thread between him and CJ, he even admits that the term Christian nationalism might have been uh, a bit controversial uh, because it, colloquially it does have uh, misleading uh, uh, implications. But essentially what CJ Engel points out is that uh, you guys might agree with me on this, but we don't necessarily consider ourselves Christian nationalists. We're more like Southern sectionalists or regionalists or provincialists, whatever you want to call us. But we believe in Southern nationalism more so than the greater American nationalism that's, be, that's been uh, forced upon us since the Civil War. I would rather there be a state or a nation of North Carolina 
Lucas, a state or nation of Mississippi, and Travis, a state or nation of Alabama. I think we all agree on that. But CJ Mississippi. <laughs> CJ Steve <laughs> and Michael Foster would say Ohio, right? He wants to, you know the entire United States to be Ohio. The point, the central thesis is though that Christian nationalism does need to be dehomogenized. You know, uh, there uh, there is this uh, Gabriel, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gabriel Rich, Gabriel, yeah, Gabriel, yeah. Gabriel Rich at Fight Left East. You know, just posted. Uh, a podcast featuring Doug, Douglas Wilson where he's talking about the differences between mere Christendom and Christian nationalism. Uh, I don't I don't know anything about Doug Wilson's thesis. I do plan on reading the book, but not before I read uh, Wolf's book. Wolf is uh, let me just say this. Wolf is uh, instantiating, I guess you could say, classical reformational protestant thought political thought whereas douglas wilson is promoting a i don't know like i said what i what i assume that douglas wilson is promoting is more of a novel idea of a a more ambiguous or more catholic with a little c uh concept of, of, of a broader Christendom, which I'm fine with. If it encompasses Christian nationalism, if it encompasses Stephen Wolf's Christian nationalism, I'm okay with that. But it's Stephen okay Wolf to not it, have complete lopstep on every single issue. Well, this this is the thing, though. The, the Theopolitans might disagree. Uh, Peter Lightheart and those guys, and, and, and maybe uh, James Wood, they, they, they may disagree. But Stephen Wolf, C.J. Engel, myself, and, and, and you guys, too, because you're Southerners like me. I guess we could consider ourselves neo-Confederates. We are particularists. I do not think that Alabama's uh, views on politics and society and culture should dictate North Carolina's North Carolina's policy on politics, and vice versa. And same thing with Mississippi. Right. I sure as hell don't want people in Seattle dictating, you know. North Carolina politics. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so Christian nationalism to me, it's like, okay, I do agree with Christian nationalism, but not on such a scale that would mean a uniformity between all 50 American states, lowercase s, because we're not actual states. We're more like, we're more like regions. Subservient, we're more like subservient provinces to a dictatorship in Washington, the District of Columbia. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like this, this, it, first of all, it's not a true nation in, in, in the technical sense of the word that we've been talking about. Uh, it's been hijacked by foreigners. It's been hijacked by Bolsheviks uh, or neo-Bolsheviks, if you will. And, and, and Trotskyites. Filthy Jacobins. Jacobins. I mean, America is not an Anglo culture. Uh, it's, it's, it is a hollow shell of Anglo culture, really, honestly. I mean, our Constitution uh, is a paper tiger. Uh, we're just one or two justices away of it being completely and utterly meaningless. Uh, so it, 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 we're, we're like Ronald Reagan said. We're one, and I'm no Ronald Reagan fan. Californians, <laughs> honestly, I don't even think Californians should be taken seriously, especially Ronald Reagan. 
But he was right to say that we, you know, we're one generation away from losing our, our freedom. And he's right. Travis, you you wake up, everybody. Yes, I'm here. I'm listening. You fell asleep, man. I'm freaking about to. I am about to fall asleep over here. <laughs> I ain't even gonna lie. Man, you're an hour behind me. What you talking about? Dang. But I actually but anyway, today, sir. Hey, I did too, man. I worked on a dragon welder, a machine Travis welder get his for eleven sleep. hours. Neil, Travis got to get his beauty sleep. It ain't working, but he's still got to get Boy. it. That mug will have to sleep for at least 30 days. <laughs> Leave that in there. Anyway, but y'all you understand what I'm saying though? Like Yeah, I agree with you. There, there is no there is no unit like nationalism has to be articulated and confined to the concept of the particular. Like, to what degree, I don't know. I know my county is different from our neighboring counties. I know that my state is actually, I know that my region, the Piedmont region is different from neighboring regions. I know my state is different from neighboring states. Uh, even our, even our portion of the Appalachian mountains different in culture than say West Virginia or uh, Tennessee. Like, there, there is an aspect of regionalism that coincides with what defines nationalism. These borders aren't arbitrary. I mean, the, the, the post-World War II borders in the Middle East might be arbitrary, but our borders are not arbitrary. You understand? Anyway, I digress. Well, and, and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. I mean, it, it, we don't have to agree on everything. It's just what are the what are the bare statements that would that would provide an overarching I mean I'll just say it an overarching Christendom. Right? I mean in in uh, in Europe you had a bunch of different European groups that were all operating under the same form of uh, Christian application of law. And they had different types of governmental systems, and they had different kinds of laws. That's why Martin Luther could run into into one uh, from one province to another, and be protected because that other that other magistrate really wasn't trying to cut his head off. He actually kind of liked the dude. So, and uh, I'm not even sure that that magistrate liked, you know, Martin Luther for the right reasons. Um. It, it seemed to be almost like a, a celebrity a celebrity form of appreciation. But you, the dehomogenization is exactly what we need. We need for people to not have to live under the rules of other people groups. Yeah. Well, I was going to say also say like to that point, like even Cranmer, Cran, Thomas Cranmer, I, I'm an Anglican for anybody who hasn't been updated. Uh, we're not all Baptists anymore. <laughs> but Thomas Cranmer, Bad. hey, listen now, you Baptists, you come from you come from Anglicanism, so chill. But Thomas Cranmer was, um, I would say Thomas Cranmer was more in line with John Calvin than certainly uh, Henry VIII. Okay, people. 
King Henry VIII was was more so aligned with. Um, well, he was he considered himself a Catholic still, but an Anglo-Catholic. You understand what I'm saying? Like they differed, but like Cranmer was shielded and protected by, and even promoted by Henry, King Henry. You understand what I'm saying? So it kind of goes with, that, with the point you're making about the magistrates with, with, with Martin Luther and the Prince of uh, Russia. Or, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, I was just saying that to your point about like, you know, Cranmer wasn't, Cranmer wasn't, I mean, eventually he, he was summarily executed by Roman Catholics later on, but he had protection under Henry VIII, and he reformed the English Church. So I will give him that. Anyway, go ahead. I think I think um, Cranmer and Henry VIII was a very symbiotic relationship. Um, yeah, and Henry had a certain goal that he wanted, and Cranmer just capitalized upon that opportunity to actually get some reforms done. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, I agree. 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 Um, we'll do, you want to go through sphere sovereignty and then we'll, we'll cut it off for now. Cause I think we've been going for yeah. two hours. Uh, yeah, we're no, I'm, hour I'm, I'm all, right now. I told my wife two hours. So well, we, we've been talking I'm not, for, we've been talking two hours, but we've only been yeah. recording for like an hour 40. I am. Oh, I'm already, I'm, I'm already not a fan of this because of the, the phrase sphere sovereignty. I think Kuiper was kind of a <coughs> joke, but go ahead. All right. We affirm that you, God you, has. Sorry, go ahead. We affirm that God has established spheres of authority, such as the home or family to includes oneself and individual conscience. Oneself and individual conscience and household economies. Uh, economics, the church, and the state. We affirm that God has given unique responsibilities and instructions to authorities within each sphere. Authority in each sphere are subject to the rule of Christ, each pertaining, each retaining sovereignty over its own sphere while being checked and balanced by the others. Parents, as the authority in the home, wield a rod for the purpose of instruction, training, and discipline in wisdom and in righteousness. The church wields the keys of the kingdom for binding and loosing of gospel professions and God's word and preaching the law and gospel for conversion, sanctification, and discipline. The state wields the sword as God's servant to maintain justice and civil order by punishing evildoers, avenging the innocent, commending the good, and ensuring that wholesome societal conditions are righteously upheld so that all men may lead a quiet, peaceful life in, which, in all godliness and honesty. We affirm that Jesus Christ is appointed over his church both government and discipline, and no law of any government should interfere or hinder the due exercise thereof among the voluntary members of any denomination of Christians according to their own profession and belief. 
except for heretics. We burn heretics. We deny that human authority in any sphere possesses absolute or unchecked authority, even within their sphere, as Christ delegates all human authority. Therefore, all are accountable to Christ and his moral law. We deny that civil authorities may assume to themselves the administration of the word and sacraments or powers of the keys of the kingdom of heaven, but must be uniquely uniquely protective of the free exercise of the Christian faith according to the dictates of conscience under the Orthodox Christian faith. So, so I think this is kind of where that entire crap about sacralism came in at, uh, is because if I'm understanding what that made-up word means, um, it's that there is no separation of church and state. They were very married together. And um, so I think it's good that they actually define them as two separate things. Uh, because well, I don't want my church leading the nation and I don't want the nation. I don't want this government leading my church. Mm-hmm. Because well, just... I, I see this as a, as a sort of like tricameral, governmental system if we want to put it that way symbiotic uh, the word you used earlier yeah it, right and so here the state would not define orthodoxy the the, the christian creeds would and that and that's n- not even the the local church would do that the christian creeds right the, the ecumenical creeds would do that um but <laughs> The, the church has the duty to call the state to repentance and to call the family to repentance. Um, I, I, I would go as far as to say that the, the state should wield the sword against heretics. I don't believe heretics should be able to proselytize, just as I don't believe that foreign religions ought to be able to proselytize publicly. Um, okay, I, so I, I do, do have a question about that. Uh, sorry, sure. I don't mean if I'm derailing you or not. but. No, um, uh, okay, when you say you, you don't believe that the state or the, that the state should pro, uh, prosecute heretics, or that they, that heretics shouldn't proselytize, so take yep. JWs for instance. Would okay. we outlaw JWs uh, for those that don't know Jehovah's Witnesses from? Obviously, we w- we would stop them from knocking on doors and setting up shop at the parks. But would we allow them to still ho- hold private meetings? Okay, in yeah. an ideal system. Pri- okay, I, okay. So I would I would defer to Dabney on this. Dabney allows for he he believes that freedom here has to do with freedom of internal belief. Like I believe mm. in my in my heart and my head that this proposition is true. So I have that freedom of thought, and then I have freedom of practice in as much as it. It it it, it uh, is within my sphere of influence, within my castle. So a JW practicing JWism from their home is no problem whatsoever. The issue would be if you try to go out and try to convert people to your heresy, you should be stopped. Yes, that's no the distinction here. So I'm not saying the JW can't be JW. I'm saying the JW can't go out and try to make more JWs. Because you're endangering men's soul. You're endangering men's soul. And that is an evil beyond endangering a man's body. Mm -hmm. Soul murder. 
No. It's essentially, yes. Well, no, not essentially. It is. I mean, because if you're leaving, if you're leading them no. to hell, then you're, yeah. Well, <laughs> essentially, be being to... being of the essence of, I'm saying what you're saying is literally true. It's it's. Let me be G three advocate. I mean, devil devil's advocate for a second. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, the argument that I've been making is that. Um, Russell, we'll use Russell Moore as a perfect example, who says that Mayberry is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah because it leads people to a false assumption of their salvation or whatever. Now, that on, on the inverse, talking about, you know, suppressing Jehovah's Witnesses from proselytizing in the public square, again, that the logic that's been employed that I've employed could be turned around onto this and say, well, hold on a second. If you believe in God's sovereignty, uh, then why wouldn't you allow for a religious, religious pluralist society? If God is sovereign, then why should you fear the proselytization of, of non or anti-Trinitarians like the Jehovah's Witnesses? What would yeah. you say? Lucas. I I would say that the, the the question has a faulty premise by denying the reality that God operates primarily through secondary means, and one of the secondary means is if we're going to take the language of this confession here, uh, or the statement of faith, or the statement of belief, uh, these various spheres are spheres of authority given by God as secondary means to the end that these people would live a godly and good life. So uh, God is just as capable of using the sword as a valid uh, means, secondary means of maintaining orthodoxy as he is by using peace and persuasion. Amen. And okay. uh, the, the idea that he does, he never uses the sword to maintain orthodoxy or godliness is a fool like a fool, only a fool would make that argument. Uh, well, so I, if in this comparison between, uh, for instance, soul murder versus bodily murder, right? So, uh, if if you kill a man's body, God has said that you are deserving of death. He, you know, so if if you going out and actually killing a man is an evil, which it is. And that's why you would cast a law against it. Then you are actually acting as a secondary means of God's grace to with to restrain people's propensity to murder. Right. So by having a is, So what you're saying is that not only would we be negating the first, you know, if you're familiar with the three uses of the law. Not only would be would we be negating the usus politicus or the civil or the political use or civil use, we'd also be negating the usus uh, elenticus or, elenc or pedagogicus or whatever the uh, pedagogical use. That is the use where it confronts sin and points us to Christ. Yes, that's what you're saying. Yeah. So, 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 so for Christian nationalism, 
to to truly be uh what what we're explaining it to be it would have to incorporate and enforce all three uses of the law the civil use the pedagogical use and the didactic use the didactic use being the way that we know uh uh it's basically a way of sanctification it, it teaches us how to be holy right and it's this is this is this is for believers only right but whereas the uh, pedagogical use is hey th there's a missional aspect to to why the law is here and it's to point people to christ but at the same time there's also a civil use that's meant to suppress evil why does my computer keep making a noise you turn facebook notifications off yeah but you hear what I'm saying, though, right? Like there, there is. Yeah, a... I'm agreeing with you. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what okay. I'm saying. Right. In, in in different terms, yes. Um, right, cool. and, just, and, just, and, I'm and, just saying. I'm just stating it in a way for the nerds out there. Yeah, I mean, so again, I mean, let's give a historical example, right? Well, let's go back to the Spanish. You know, a lot of people they they act like it's some great virtue. Well, Christianity was never spread by the sword. And it's like, well, you know, in some cases it was, and that wasn't a bad thing. Um, because the, the people that needed the sword to spread Christianity were the ones who were the vilest of people. And God saved some Incans and Aztecs because the Spanish brought a sword and destroyed their civilization. And that was a that was a good. That was a that was a, a providential good that was a gift of God to the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm going to, uh, there's going to be some people ringing about that, uh, you know, me complimenting the Spanish in this regard, but, well, that's where the misnomer comes in too about, look, I am very Catholic with a little C. I am ecumenical even. I believe that there are Eastern Orthodox brothers who are saved who, you know, that feeling is not mutual, except maybe our boy Ethan would say that we are. And I believe that they're Roman Catholics, per se. That being said, um, where was I going with this? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, forced conversion. So up until the Protestant Reformation, and one could argue that even with, even with the advent of the Reformation and Protestant civil states, forced conversion existed. But what, is, what does forced conversion mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that the assumption is made that the Holy Spirit regenerates a person because they were forced to be baptized. Uh, although, although if you hold to baptism or regeneration like I do, um, it is okay to assume that a person is regenerated at that point in time. But the point isn't that uh, conversion by the sword necessarily means conversion to uh, regeneration okay it's not that's, that's not necessarily what it means but that is the misnomer that's been given to christendom that prior to evangelicalism in the 19 whatever 30s 40s 50s uh you know people were converted by the sword falsely or something i don't i don't understand um but that's not how it went it's what we were just talking about there are three there were three uses of the law the political use, which kind of like it's like a broader, I would say it's very. If, if you look at the three uses of the law, it's very concentric. 
you start with the political use, which kind of encompasses everybody within your domain, right? As a, as a regent of Christ, you know, you're bringing everybody in under the law of God. And then you have the pedagogical use that says, okay, look, not all of you are going to understand why it's necessary for this law to be enforced, but some of you are. Some of you are going to see it, and you're going to convert to Christ. And then those of you right. that are converted to Christ, you're going to see the didactic use. And that didactic use is what's going to sanctify you and mold you in your righteousness to be further set apart from those in broader society. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just another means of grace. I mean, really. I mean, speaking... Yeah. I don't mean this in the sacramental sense. I'm talking about a secondary means of grace. That God sure, is you, I, mean, I, I, I would say you're you're okay you're you're okay to say that sacramental, but not not in a it's not an ordinary means. It's an extraordinary means. Okay, that, that's fair enough. Um, it, it's not it's not something that the church is exacting, is what I mean. Exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not a sacred rite of the church, whereas mm -hmm. you know we have baptism and we have the table. Uh, those are yeah. sacred rights given to the church for the people of God. This is given Amen. to the state um, as a as a means, and it would be no different than, you know, my my catechizing my children is an is a means of grace to my children. Yeah. Uh, and and I believe that, and and they may or may not come to Christ. They may or not, may not be re regenerate because of my diligence. And and I leave the outcome to Christ, right? So the the outcome is he's going to draw all of my children that he wishes to draw. Um, but that still doesn't negate my duty, even though I've been told that oh, you shouldn't catechize your children because if God wants to save them, he's going to save them anyways. No, I, I'm not making this up. This was an actual argument that someone thought was convincing. Um, boomer, you know, boomer Baptist man. Yes, I am going to catechize my children because that catechesis may be the means by which they come to Christ. Now, it may not. It, uh, this isn't a, uh, it's not a guaranteed, but it is something that God may use. And so, you know, the, the, the prohibition on murder, um, you know, we, we mentioned baby murder in here. Uh, they mentioned baby murder in here. Prohibition on murder is a moral declaration that you need to act like Christ in the rejection and the repudiation of murder. This is a moral claim. And the state using the sword is a secondary means of grace to suppress the desire to murder men's bodies. <laughs> like, and, and just take that and translate that same exact statement to destroy someone's spiritual body to destroy someone's soul, right? And it's the same exact crime. So, yeah, I, I, of course, I wouldn't put them to death, per se, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I was only joking about burning them at the stake. Um, I think fines are much more uh, appropriate. But I do think it, need, it ought to be suppressed. Jehovah's Witnesses ought not be able to go out and proselytize at all. Yeah. Hey y'all, thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, 
please send an email to dixiepolis at protonmail.com or send us a message on Gap. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all. Just a girl.